Greetings and shalom to you from Israel. Our brothers and sisters in Christ there are doing well and send their greetings to you. Uh, the church here at Meadowbrook in Gadsden and uh, enjoyed being in the land, being able to teach there uh, the Bible truths in the land and discover uh, many of them afresh and so grateful for the opportunity that you gave to us and uh, 25 others to go along with us to Israel. And while that was going on, ministry was going just as well right here as it should be. Had a great message delivered to you last Sunday from one of our lay pastors, lay shepherds, Al Garrett. Grateful for his service to the Lord. Had a Ugandan mission team that has gone and come back and planted great truths about prophecies. Uh, there to our church planner partners throughout the, the region of Uganda and South Sudan. And they will take that and multiply it many, many times uh, throughout their home uh, villages and the churches that they pastor, some of them more than one, in very difficult circumstances. So grateful for that, that has been planted in them, for the word that uh, will remain, uh, even though we have come home. And grateful for Kid Quest that just went with great success this last week and had so many people that were serving and and ministering in unique ways and a good number of kids that came as well some of them coming to understand jesus as messiah and growing and being discipled in their faith so thank you meadowbrook you continue to do what you do and you do it well uh, whether i'm here or not that's a sign of a good mature and healthy church now i want to begin a little six-part series on the 23rd psalm you probably know the 23rd psalm well you probably have it memorized and I encourage you, if you don't have it memorized, to memorize it. Uh, let it be in your mind so that the Spirit of God might bring it to your attention and you might meditate on it in the day and in the evening. And we're going to spend some time together. We're going to slow the pace down and go one verse a week. You say, oh, good grief, will that not take so long for us to be in that? Oh, my goodness, there's so many rich truths to be found and uh, thought about and meditated on and received by faith. In the 23rd Psalm that we're going to take our time and just uh, discover them and be reminded of them. Uh, take your Bibles, though. I want, want to read it together from what you have in your hand. So maybe you have a paper form like I do. Maybe you have a digital form uh, like I do oftentimes in various places. But take your Bible out because the passages will not be on the screen and they're not in your handout today. Uh, as I didn't take the time while I was in Israel teaching to do that. So just going to focus in on the 23rd Psalm, but as usual, we need to do that in the context that God has given it to us. So I want to talk about the trilogy of Psalms that are found here first. If you go back one to the 22nd Psalm and you go forward one in the 24th Psalm, it's important to understand why they are given to us in that a trio form so that we understand the 23rd better we look back to the 22nd and to the 24th ahead to the 24th it's not always that way but it does work in this section of scripture the 22nd psalm is one that was written a thousand years before the events took place in the 22nd psalm you have described what would take place in calvary in great detail the words of christ are mentioned here in fact the the very expressions were uttered out of the lord's mouth that are recorded here in the 22nd psalm again a millennial uh, ahead a millennium ahead of the actual events when they transpired so you have descriptions as well of all the things that were happening or many of the things that were happening in the hour of the Lord's death. 
Uh, in the 22nd Psalm, you can read about the false accusations, the accusers that were coming before him. You can read about the trauma that the Messiah suffered, the scorn of man and the mockery and the insults, the humiliation, the ravaged body, the piercing of the hands and the feet, and the intensity of thirst. Uh, and you read about the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it's as if the psalmist is there at the mount and he is texting out or tweeting out the details as they are occurring or it's as if he is face streaming live what is happening because we have such detail of it even though it was written 10 centuries before it transpired it tells us real quickly that God had a plan in place and that plan is going to come about and it has come about in the Lord Jesus we find in that 22nd Psalm a great promise to us. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. What a great proclamation and promise that is. That in the fulfillment of the 22nd Psalm, we might have praise and we might have hearts that live forever. But now look how it begins. It begins with these words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Of course, the Lord uttered that out in his own language. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It begins with that, and you notice the very ending of that as well is recorded uh, in the text. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. So in this psalm, we have the words of the Lord Jesus on the cross and we have an expression about people like us yet to be born that would understand the treasure of that truth and have faith in the treasure of, of the God who gave us that truth and we would have life. We would have born again life born from above with righteousness that is extended to us. So it's a great, great song about the good shepherd laying down his life for his sheep. So that's what... That's what anchors the 23rd Psalm, a looking back by doing it forward, looking back to our great hope that we have because of what Christ has accomplished on the cross. Then you have the 23rd, which I'll mention in a moment, and the 24th Psalm is looking ahead. In the 24th Psalm, we have a declaration that God, <clears throat> of God's glory. We find this, it begins, <clears throat> excuse me, it begins, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. And it ends with, lift up your head, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. So you have one looking back at what Christ has accomplished on the cross. You have one looking forward about what Christ will accomplish as he's coming into his kingdom in a very physical way. And in the middle, you have one that says, and this is God as the good shepherd in his present tense. So you have a past tense, you have a future tense, and the 23rd Psalm is the present tense. Do you see where God is going with this? He wants you to know as the good shepherd, you're covered. Your past is covered, your future is covered, and your present is covered. What a great trilogy of psalm that he has given to us in the 22nd, the 23rd, and the 24th. Of course, you know the 23rd is about the good shepherd who loves us, he cares for us, he provides for us as his sheep, and we are drawn to it because it is the blessed assurance that Jesus is mine in the present day. We're drawn to this psalm because it leads us to those truths. 
So it begins with the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and it ends with the summary of the Lord's eternal care and provision for those who are in his care. We're so grateful for these psalms. Robert Morgan writes in his commentary, These three psalms are a trifold picture of the ministry that flows from the Messiah's heart into our needs, whether past, present, or future. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So our Savior takes him, himself to the cross to take care of yesterday's issues. The shepherd takes the crook in, of the staff in his hand that he might provide for us and care for us today. And the sovereign takes the crown upon his head to tell us that the future is cared for as well. But I want to zoom in on the first verse, but as we will do in every uh, Sunday that we are in this text, I want us to read the entire psalm together. If you have the ESV version, the English Standard Version, that's what I'll be reading out of today, and I'd like for you to join out loud in that reading. And if you didn't bring an ESV Bible, get on the Bible app real quick and pull it up so that you can join in the symphony of voices as we read God's Word together, the 23rd Psalm. Uh, I'll pray while you're continuing to find that. Lord, as we're about to read these words, I pray that you would minister them deeply in our thoughts our heart and that we would receive the truths so that we might think speak and walk differently to the glory of our good shepherd i pray amen now let's read this word together out loud the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs Oh, I'm sorry, that's a memory that just popped right out. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So let me break this down and just look at it. I'm going to look at verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I want to break it down to the words or the phrases uh, that I think will help us to engage this in some depth. So the first thing that he says is the Lord. Now, you and I need to know who he's talking about when he says the Lord. That sounds simple to us, but let's think about the original understanding of this word, the Lord, because there's a little tweaking in our translation. The word that he's using here is the, the understanding of Yahweh. It's his name, Yahweh. It's a revered name. It's a holy name, in fact. In the original culture the hebrews they would not utter the name yahweh they wouldn't write it down which is why our bibles say the lord there was a a movement of the word yahweh which was not to be written or not to be spoken by common man it was so hallowed i don't know about you but i, I wish we would go more in that direction than we are today kay and i were making note to each other that yesterday on the plane we heard god's name being taken in vain uh, in a number of different conversations. We had one of those flights that you will remember for the rest of your life. You ever been one of those? 
it was one of those never been on a uh, a touch and go but we came as close to a touch and go on the runway as possible and we got diverted over to charlotte and it was pretty turbulent and we could hear people uttering god's name in the aftermath of that now in the middle of it oh god is the right thing to say but in the aftermath saying oh god did you do this or that uh, did you did you feel that or whatever that's that's taking the lord's name in vain his name is hallowed it is holy it is not just in common conversation to be used it is a hallowed name and so the hebrews would not utter his name and instead they would use the name adonai which is why in your bible translation more than likely you have the lord and lord will be in small caps do you have that in yours it's certainly in mine and when you see that in the translation that is depicting adonai which is often being replaced because yahweh has his name written there now you know from the historical perspective of that god gave us his name he gave it first to moses as he was calling Moses to be an agent of redemption to redeem the people of Israel out of their slavery in Egypt. And so when Moses was hearing this commissioning of God, that God was going to redeem the people, but he would use Moses as the mouthpiece for that, he said, I don't know that they're going to believe me on this. In fact, if they ask me who sent me, I don't even know your name. And God gave him his name, and he said his name is Yahweh, I am who I am. And that's where that comes from. So when you and I read, the Lord is my shepherd, we need to understand that what he's saying is, Yahweh is my shepherd. The significance of that in understanding who Yahweh is, if we understand that, we'll know more fully what the, the goodness of this shepherd is all about. Yahweh is my shepherd gives the most complete understanding in that I am says he is my shepherd I am who I am is my shepherd now, now think what that means that means the God who has always been and for always will be is my shepherd that means that the alpha omega the beginning and the end one is my shepherd that means that the creator, the sustainer, the judge, the ruler over all creation is my shepherd. The eternal God, the great provider, the mighty one who is full of justice and mercy and grace is my shepherd. You, you need to kind of let settle into your thoughts who you are claiming as your shepherd. He is Yahweh, the all-powerful God of the universe, he is your shepherd. And by God's predestined plan, Jesus made the good shepherd known in the physical form. In fact, he claims that title, as John describes for us in his gospel, that he is the good shepherd. So in the name, uh, the name of Jesus in Hebrew is Yeshua. In fact, we have a, a friend of ours who leads in our groups around in Israel who's a Messianic Jew, and he said, you know, I prefer this week that, that we call him by his Hebrew name, Yeshua. And the reason why he wants us to do that is because names have significant meaning, and Yeshua, Joshua, as you and I have it in our translation, or Jesus in our modern-day language, Yeshua means God saves so every time you utter his name is Yeshua Joshua you recognize God saves 
So he is Adonai, Lord, who saves. Jesus is that good shepherd. He is Yeshua who saves. And of course, he said that in John 10, 10, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But you remember what he says, I came that you may have life and that you may have it abundantly. For I am the good shepherd. Hear that? I am, I am, attributing to Yahweh, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So when you and I hear this very familiar verse, the Lord is our shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, we need to understand who the Lord is and the significance of that name and what it communicates to us. But now let's go on in the sentence. The Lord is. Now is is a very important verb, obviously. It's one that helps us to identify a couple of things. Number one, the immediacy, the, the presence, uh, the present of God, if you will. It means that something exists. When you say it is, you're giving credence to its existence. So this is my Bible. I'm telling you that it exists. I'm communicating its existence. Now that sounds so elementary for us. My friends, we live in a world where the very existence of God is questioned everywhere. It might be an out, outright rejection of God, or it might come in a number of words, something like this. Millions and millions of years ago through the evolution of time. You know what that is? That's common language for there is no God. But I want you to know this great passage of Scripture that has brought so many people encouragement and hope says outright the lord is he is he does exist and there is no question about that if you are one who will pay attention to creation it shouts he is in fact the bible begins that way in genesis 1 it makes this proclamation in the beginning god so before anything is that we know god already was God was already in existence. In the beginning, God. And we find that repeated in a, in a different expression in John 1. The beginning verses say this, In the beginning was the Word. And if you know anything about John's writing, he's writing to a group of people who are intellectuals. They are people that think that knowledge is the supreme good of all things. So they're always looking for the, the newest uh, philosophy out there the newest insights they were very much given to that thing so john is writing to them to say this word was in the beginning in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god in fact he goes on to proclaim that he was in the beginning with god and that everything that's been created is created by him right there's nothing that is created that was not created by him there's not anything made that was not made by him. He wants us to know that this word, Yeshua, Jesus, this Christ is from the very beginning. So the beginning of the Bible is in the beginning. God in the last chapter of the Bible is a conclusion of, of, 
of the presence of God and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying behold the dwelling place of God is with men he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God the beginning of the Bible begins with God is the end of the Bible begins uh, ends with God is and in the middle of the Bible we find Jesus is God with us the Lord is that's a big statement if you get nothing else, get that. The Lord is. But there's so much to be had in this beyond just that the Lord is. Is communicates existence, but it also communicates a present truth. That the Lord is for today. Oh, sure, he was for yesterday. We're grateful for that, that he covers the sins of yesterday. We're grateful for the fact that the Lord will be, that he has the security of eternity as well. But that's not what this passage is saying. The passage didn't say the Lord was and the Lord will be. The passage is making the point the Lord is today. <laughs> and we need that. We needed that yesterday. We need it today. We're going to need it tomorrow because you and I go through some experiences that are pretty difficult. And if we didn't understand the immediacy of God, we would question him constantly. But when we understand, no matter what we're going through, good, bad, indifferent, otherwise, what, whatever we go through, God is present. His presence is with us. He is a present help in our times of trouble. In every moment, the Lord is. He is your shepherd, and he is providing to meet your need. You are not left alone. He is a shepherd who is at the instant and he will be in every instance he will be present he's available to you today he'll be available to you tonight he will be available to you at all other occasions because he is present in your life there is nowhere you go without the presence of God in your life the Lord is but the psalmist goes further to say the Lord is my shepherd my shepherd this morning I was eating granola and having some almond milk and I had the passage 23rd Psalm on the screen before me and I just paused for a minute just to count the personal pronouns in that passage and I might have miscounted because it was early and I'm a little jet lagged but I counted 27 times there's a personal pronoun in this passage 27 times in 6 verses you think he wants to make a point there the personal nature of God is here. The personal relationship, the personal uh, life lived with him is in this passage. He wants you to know that he is a personal God to you. To say the Lord is my shepherd is to say, and I am his sheep. I am under his management. I am in his care. This very personal discovery is so needful in our lives. There's a wonderful personal relationship that a shepherd has with his sheep. Uh, Kay and I are determined on some property that we have right by our house that we're going to get that property ready to have some sheep put on it. And it's because I think I can learn much about our Lord as the good shepherd by just tending to sheep. What I hear about sheep is that you will grow to love them quickly because they are so dependent upon you. 
They will be affectionate towards you because they are looking towards you at all times. If they're going to have, it's going to be because you provide. If they have security, it will be because you provide. You did notice that God did not give them a defense mechanism on their own. All they can do is, that's it. They're not going to be able to defend themselves. They don't have quills to protect themselves. They don't have sharp teeth to protect themselves. They're, they're not going to bite you and draw blood. They need a shepherd. And because they need a shepherd, they grow fond of that shepherd who shepherds them. And because they are so needful, it is easy to love them. Every, every person that raises sheep has a love for those sheep. Jesus had a deep love for his sheep as well. Now, you and I are obviously not sheep. We are people, but we are like sheep in that our shepherd loves us. We're like sheep in that we need our shepherd. We can't go through life on our own. We don't have the defense mechanisms that can guard and protect us against Satan's horde, but we have a shepherd who is immensely powerful over all enemies and who gives victory to his sheep to make us more than conquerors. He's a personal Lord. And he's a personal shepherd who knows our name. Are we grateful for that? That we are not unknown to him? You are so known to him that he has written your name in the Lamb's book of life. He knows your name. There's a song that has ministered to me over the years. It was written by a man by the name of Tommy Walker. The lyrics are simple, but they are powerful. I have a maker who formed my heart before even time began. My life was in his hands. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls and hears me when I call. I have a father. I have a father. He calls me his own. He'll never leave me no matter where I go. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls and he hears me when I call. He knows me. He knows my name. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls, and he hears me when I call. And can I remind you, he knows your name. He knows your every thought. He sees those tears that fall and hears you when you call oh, the personal, loving, all-knowing shepherd that chooses to be in relationship with us and to know us. Now, sheep are mentioned more than any other animal in the Bible that I can recall. And I think that's because they teach us about ourselves. We discover about ourselves. And the main lesson that we need to know is that we are to have a lifelong shepherd. We have that in Jesus, Yeshua Adonai. 
we have that shepherd in him and he loves us and he knows us he knows us personally he knows every character and trait about us he knows our weaknesses and he comes to us in the midst of our wanderings and our failures and he lovingly brings us back to the fold he knows us he knows when we are content and he knows when we're discontent he knows when we're in trouble and he knows we're when we're safe he knows us and that ought to bring comfort and pleasure to us that the lord is our shepherd but then the passage goes on to say the lord is my shepherd i have no want because Jesus is the Lord, he gives himself so attentively, providing for our past and certainly being in the present and caring for us in the future. And because of that, there is not a need that we have that goes unsatisfied. He knows the wants and he meets the wants. We shall not want because we have him as our shepherd. Every need that we have is satisfied in him. Now, if you think about it, you have more than one front of needs you have an external need you need to have food and you need shelter and you need clothing there are things that you need as a person that you can be certain your shepherd provides for you now you may not have every want desire but you have every need satisfied so there is no need that you have want for you have it and you will always have it. The Lord is your provider. And then there's these internal needs that we have. We have a need for love, and we have a need for significance, and we have a need for hope, and we have a need to live life with purpose, and we have a need for peace and joy and comfort. We have a, a need that is met only in Christ Jesus. Now be careful, because the world and the prince of the world will give you all kinds of counterfeits to that, and you might fall for them, but the one who will meet your every need is Jesus. So you and I have external needs, we have internal needs that are met by Christ, but you also have eternal needs, and those eternal needs are met and satisfied by your good shepherd, and those eternal needs are salvation and righteousness and a genuine relationship with God that we can be with him and he can be with us, as Revelation said. He will be our God and we will be his people and he will dwell with us. We have a great eternal need that is only satisfied and is richly satisfied in Jesus Christ. He's a good shepherd and he provides for us, so I shall not want so when you feel anxious and when you feel fearful and when you feel unloved and when you feel lonely and when you feel lacking and when you feel limited, then come to the powerful truth. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He will provide for my every want. And when you have those feelings, I'm not saying reject the feelings. The, the feelings are genuine. But come to this truth that those are met in Christ Jesus. He is. He is my shepherd. He is Adonai Yeshua. And I shall not want. I want to encourage you to consider that passage and let it steep into your thinking so that you come to its truth 
regularly. I'm reading a number of books right now on the 23rd Psalm. Uh, one of them is written by Robert Morgan. It's entitled, The Lord is My Shepherd, for obvious reasons. And in this book by Morgan, he mentions a man by the name of Alan Emery. Alan Emery was an industrialist who gave great insights to people who have flourishing ministries like the Billy Graham Association and to universities and institutions and philanthropists who have made such an impact into our world. And in his autobiography, which is entitled The Turtle on a Fence Post, Morgan writes about uh, what he learned about Alan Emery. Emery began his career working in his father's business, and his father's business was in the wool industry. And so his father wisely instructed him to go and spend some time with a herdsman. He went to a shepherd in the prairies of Texas, and he spent some time with that shepherd. And then one particular night, he writes about his discoveries. If, if you would just oblige, I'd like to read a couple of paragraphs of that. It was in the springtime of the year, and the snows had only recently melted, and the grass was turning green. There were about 2,000 sheep in the large flock, and the shepherd built a large bonfire. Alan drank in the scene as if it were from a page of a picture book. One shepherd, three dogs, a bonfire, and 2,000 sheep. As the night wore on, the sheep settled down, and all was quiet, until suddenly a long, loud wail of coyotes pierced the air. The dogs growled and peered into the darkness. The sheep, which had been sleeping, lumbered to their feet, alarmed, bleeding pitifully. The shepherd tossed more logs onto the fire, and the flames shot up. In the glow, Alan looked out and saw thousands of little lights he realized those were the reflections of the fire in the eyes of the sheep. Those sheep had instinctively looked toward the shepherd. In the midst of danger, Alan observed, the sheep were not looking to the darkness, but were keeping their eyes set in the direction of their safety, looking toward their shepherd. And isn't what, what Hebrews tells us, that we are to keep our eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith. Some of you are going through some difficult times. Some of you are in a trouble right now. Some of you have great needs, and the needs might be external, they might be internal, or they might be eternal. And you might be tempted to look in many directions for different comforts that would be provided to you or a different covering, but I'm encouraging you to be like the sheep who rise in the midst of the alarm and look to the shepherd. Look to the shepherd in his word. Look to the shepherd in his promise. Look to the shepherd for his provision, and he will guide you through this. Are the days going to be rough? For some of you, yes. Will they be more difficult than you've ever experienced? Perhaps so. But I know this. You have a shepherd that is good, and he will meet your every want. For he is Adonai. He is Yahweh. And he is good. And his attention is upon you. 
let your attention be to him as well. Father, we thank you that you are the good shepherd to us, that you always have been and you always will be, and that you are today. You have taken care of our past and you have set to care for our future. And we are certain in both the past and the future, we can find rest in the present with you. So, O oh Lord, let this truth steep into our thoughts. And let us live with confidence in you as our good shepherd. Meet us where we are, Lord, I pray. Bring us to yourself. I pray this in the name of the good shepherd, Jesus, Yeshua. Amen.